Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Hey church, how we doing on this July 4th weekend? We good? My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, man, it's so good to have you with us in person and online. Some of you have been coming for a few weeks. I uh, didn't know I was the pastor. Uh, Bradley did an amazing job killing this last series. I don't know if anybody agrees with that, but absolutely amazing series. So it's good to be back. I know you guys think that when I don't preach, I just take all that time off, uh, which is not true, but whatever, it's fine. Um, there are other things to do around here besides preach. But anyway, I'm back on stage. I'm excited about um, today, but next weekend, I want to let you know about a brand new series I start uh, called The Secret to the Good Life. And we're going to talk about this dynamic that you see in the New Testament where Jesus really flips everything on its head to talk about the fact that a lot of times we think the good life is accumulation of more. It's really the stewardship of. And Jesus talks about some brilliant insights in the New Testament about this. So I want to talk about it for a few weeks. And here's why it's a key invite. Because number one, every series is a key invite. A new series, perfect time uh, to bring somebody with you. But this series in particular online and in the house, I think will help you. Whether um, it's in a marriage, because what we're going to talk about a lot of times has the potential to undermine your marriage. Um, I think it has the potential to set you in a new course in terms of your lifestyle. And for some of you, what I'm going to talk about will actually lower your anxiety level. So this is like very practical, perfect time to invite 30 seconds of courage to go, listen, um, I know maybe you've been burned by the church. We're an alternative to church as usual. I think what you ex will experience is a little bit different. Everybody is invited in across race, political backgrounds, religious backgrounds, doesn't matter where you're coming from, everybody is invited in, you should just come with me. So that's next week. Um, this week, I want to talk about this dynamic um, for a few minutes, and this is like the disturbing part of just being human, the thing that I don't like about me, but the thing that is just true, and it's just this, if I'm brutally honest with myself, is as I look back on my life, like every bad decision, everything that went off the rails that I look back on to go, man, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I could rewind that. When I look at all of those in terms of my life, here's the common denominator. I have participated in every bad decision that I have ever made. Isn't that true? Like I have talked myself out of eating right over and over again. I talked myself out of working out. Um, I've been a sucker on Amazon when it says customers who purchased this also purchased, dot, dot, dot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's really my wife's issue that I'm owning for her. But like all of those things, like you talk yourself into stuff, you talk yourself out of stuff. And I get that there's always extenuating circumstances and there's other people you can point to and your background and, you know, my dad and, you know, whatever. But the reality is, is this. You have participated in every bad decision that you have ever made. And that's why it's easy to talk about because... I'm guilty of it, you're guilty of it, all of us are guilty of it. Like if you think about it this way, 
like you, you in, in an essence have been the mastermind. I mean, think about this. The mastermind behind every dysfunctional decision that you have ever made. And the reality is just this, that every single day when I get up, when every single day when you get up, when we look in the mirror, when you look in the mirror, your greatest challenge is staring at you. Like you, you are difficult to lead. I am incredibly difficult to lead. So what I want to talk about today in this one part message is I want to talk about the you, Y-O-U, in United States of America. Because it is our favorite pastime to point to everybody else, to every political leader, to all the dysfunction, and there's a ton of it, and there's lots of you know, blame to go around, and it's on every side, but we love to look at everything out there, and yet oftentimes we don't recognize the fact that you are public enemy number one. I'm public enemy number one. I am incredibly difficult to lead. And no matter what's going on nationally or culturally or that leader or that party and all the stuff that you want to you know, point to, here's just the truth, that I've done more to undermine my own success and progress than any political party or candidate. Anybody, one person agreed with me in the room. Like that is just true. And that kind of sucks, like with what I'm gonna talk about for a few minutes, it kind of sucks because when you start to talk about what does it look like to lead yourself, which is really what I wanna talk about, that's hard because it immediately tells you I'm not where I wanna be. I haven't arrived yet. Like there's still things in my life that need working out and, and that's not to, to stand under the cover or shame or guilt, there's no place for that, but it's just the reality. Like if, you, if you're ever gonna get to where you wanna get, you have to acknowledge where you are. It requires honesty with you. So I think there's three reasons this is important and then I wanna give you three decisions. But here's three reasons why I think it's important to talk about leading yourself well, looking at you in the mirror and, and looking at where am I and where do I need to get. The first one is this. You are never gonna be a leader worth following if you don't lead yourself well. Now, here's what I know about you, and I don't even know many of you, but you want to be a leader worth following in your home. You want to be a leader worth following in, in your industry or at work. You want to be a leader worth following in your sorority or fraternity. You want to be a leader worth following, you know, in, in some ministry or in culture. Like, you want to be a leader worth following, and the thing is that if you are ever going to be a leader worth following, you have got to learn how to lead yourself well, now, here's what I would tell you, that exceptional self-leadership is not a requirement for leadership. And you know that already, because you know people who are leaders and they are a mess personally. And you would not want to be like them. You would not want to emulate them. You would not say to your little daughter, I want you to follow and do as they do. So it, it is not paramount for leadership, but if you are going to lead yourself well in terms of influence, self-leadership is ultimately Required, And most of you learned this from your parents without realizing it. Because the extent to which you want to be like your parents or don't want to be like your parents is almost exclusively related to how well they led themselves. And for those of you who you have a family of origin, you, you have a, a dad, you have a mom, you have parents, guardians that you grew up with, grandparents, and if you want to be like them, I'm telling you, if you dug down, the reason that you want to emulate and be like them is because they led themselves well. And it impacted their marriage, it impacted their home, it impacted all of their relationships. But the, the other side of that is true as well. For some of you who are trying to run hard and fast from your family of origin, like I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna raise my kids like that, I don't wanna duplicate that kind of family and home life, it is because if you dig down at the root 
those individuals, those guardians, those parents, they did not lead themselves well. If you want to have influence, you've got to learn how to lead yourself well, which is the second reason this is important. Exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained influence. And we're not talking about authority. We know the difference, right? There's a difference between you've got the plaque, you've got the name on the door, you've got the corner office, you're the one that's in charge in your house, like you lead the department, like you're teaching the class, you're the head of the whatever. Like there's a difference between that authority and influence. And the reality is that we rarely, isn't this true? We rarely open ourselves up to people that we do not respect. We rarely are vulnerable. We rarely open ourselves up. We are rarely intimate. We rarely have deep relationship with people who we do not respect. If you are going to have influence with your kids when you cannot manhandle your kids anymore, it is going to come down to self-leadership, you having influence and not just authority. If you want to make an impact in your business, in your neighborhood, in what you're leading educationally, it all comes down to influence. And if you do not lead yourself well, ultimately, you're not going to have influence. And then the third reason this is important is this. Exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained performance. I just guarantee you, when you see a leader burn out or flame out or get taken out, or you see things just go sideways with a family, it comes down to this issue. But when you learn to lead yourself well, that is the key to sustain performance. And here's the thing. If you do not take care of you and lead you well, ultimately, you can only fake it for so long. If you are going to be at your best for the other people around you, because this is why this is so important, it doesn't just impact us. The way you lead you impacts everybody around you. And in many cases, it impacts multi-generationally. So you have got to care for you, lead you well, if you're ever going to lead anybody else. It's basically that dynamic on the plane. Usually you ignore this if you've flown often, but they talk about the fact that if something tragic happens, which, come on, most of the time you're all dead anyway. Like if it's going down, seatbelt's not going to help you. But um, if something happens and the, like the thing is dispensed and you've got the oxygen mask and they talk you through the, you know, the process of that, when it comes down, you've got to do the most counterintuitive thing. Especially if you're with multiple people. Like me, you know, last time I flew, I had my two boys next to me. So when it comes down in an emergency, first of all, they're like, keep calm. Um, Okay. Keep calm. And then you need to put the oxygen mask on you before you put it on anybody else. Which is, it's just not, that's not what you would do intuitively. But if you are going to be any good for anybody else, that's what you have to do first. And then you survey your kids. And you see which one is the favorite. And then you start with them and you give them the mask and you work in. You got to lead you well. And you are no better, just in terms of a practical level, than what you do. And the, I just want you to get this. The only person that can really make us do anything is us. Like, I had this conversation with my oldest girl who's just trying to figure this out of, like, you know, having those conversations. Hey, at a certain point, I can't make you do this anymore. Which is, like, her eyes get really big, and she's like, really? Like, no, I mean, at a certain point, I can't make you do it. I can just keep you from doing things. Now, by the way, there's prisons full of people that we can't make do anything if they're there rightfully. That's another conversation. But we can only keep them from doing stuff. Like, it all comes down to exceptional self-leadership. And it is the key to sustain performance and having the impact that many of us want. 
and we want to point to everything else in the world, you have, as a follower of Jesus specifically, with the Spirit of God inside of you, you have control in some cases, not the circumstances or when all the crap hits the fan, but you have control of where you are leading your life, the trajectory of your life. And all the external influences have far smaller impact than you even realize. So I think there's three decisions that are massive around this. And the first decision, if you're going to lead yourself well, is this. And this is so big. I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I wrote an ebook recently that you can get on my website about making decisions. It's one of the things in different language that I dealt with that, that when we're making decisions, oftentimes it is so easy to sell ourselves on bad decisions and we're good at it. Like the emotion rises up, we feel something, we want something, it's sexy, it's I need it. And then all of a sudden, even if it is a horrible decision for you, you will find reasons why it's a good decision for you. You will lie to yourself and then you'll believe your lie. Like, this is what Jeremiah was talking about in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet of God to Israel. Um, You'd have to read his whole book, which is simultaneously depressing, but if you understand the historical context, it's powerful. Jeremiah is basically warning Israel, like, listen, you got to get it together. Like, God wants to do something incredible through you. God's got a plan for you. You're God's chosen people, all of this stuff. And they just didn't listen. Like, over and over again, they just did their own thing, chose their own way, went their own direction. And one of the things they did is just constantly lie to themselves about where they were and about where they were going. And Jeremiah, over and over again, is, guys, you you have got to get a clue, man. This is not leading you in a good direction, and somebody has got to tell you the truth. But as often as the case with people who tell us the truth, nobody wanted to listen to it. Like, whatever, Jeremiah, uh, you're so negative, we don't want to hear it. Eventually, they throw him in basically like a cistern that you generally are muddy and wet, and so Jeremiah is down in there, and then the the story is kind of hilarious, at least the way I read the Bible, where people are walking by as Jeremiah is in this pit, and he's still preaching. It's like walking by, and he's like, you need to repent, like it's going bad for you while he's in the middle of this massive hole in the ground. He just keeps going, keeps trying to warn the people, keeps trying to tell them the truth, and none of them wants to listen. And then Jeremiah says this unbelievably prophetic thought or idea that's recorded in Jeremiah 17 at 9 when he says this, your heart is deceitful above all things. You're like, well, I don't think, that's a little harsh, and like my mom said, well, your mom's a liar. The heart is deceitful. <laughs> Above all things, meaning like without God doing something in you, without the spirit of God inside of you in those moments where you just want to kind of go your own way and do your own thing and and you see something and then you see it and start selling, see it and start selling, see it and start going, this is why this is good, this is why I'm different, this is why I'm going to circumvent the circumstances or the outcome, this is why it's good for me. It may not be good for you, but it's good for me, it's my truth. The moment you begin to do that, he's going, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Basically, Jeremiah is just unearthing this dynamic we all feel when we get on the other side of something and go, why, why did I do that? Why did I choose that? Why did I say yes to him? Why did I say yes to her? Why did we sign on? Why did we buy that? Why did I think it was a good idea? And Jeremiah's going, ooh, I know. I know why you did that. Because your heart, in certain moments, it's, it's desperately wicked. And you have an endless capacity to lie to you and believe the lie and lead yourself in a place that ultimately you do not want to be. It is why 
effective self-leadership for anybody. And and listen, let me just clarify. I'm just talking about you as an individual, which means all of us are leaders because you're leading yourself. All of us are leaders because you're in a home somewhere. All of us are, are leaders because you've been placed in culture and you work somewhere around other people. All of us are leaders. And effective self-leadership requires brutal honesty. It requires brutal honesty because you cannot lead yourself as long as you are lying to yourself. Like if, if you lead or you're a marketplace leader, have you ever tried to lead somebody who lies? What do you do? You fired them. There's no ability to be able to lead them. You need to fire the self that you are listening to, walk out of the room, come back in and go, okay, what would the honest version of myself actually do? Why am I really doing this? Because this is really the question. You need to look at, on the verge of that decision, the trajectory that you're headed toward, that thing that you don't like, what's happening in your family. You really need to ask yourself this question. Why am I doing this? Really? Like, why am I doing this for real? What's the real? Because I've talked about her and I've talked about them and my upbringing and I've lived as a victim for a decade and this circumstance over here and I don't like this. Okay, I get all that. Just come on. Be honest with you. You can tell that lie to everybody else and they'll believe it and that's fine, but just be honest with you. You don't have to do anything, but just be honest. Why are you doing this really? The question is this why, why am I buying? Why am I saying? Whatever your issue is, why am I eating? Why am I postponing? Why am I avoiding? Why am I going there? Like, why am I doing that really? What is the real reason? Because you will not be able to move forward. You will not be able to lead yourself well until you get honest with yourself. And so you need to declare, you need to make the decision. I will be honest with myself and I will not lie to myself even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Now listen, there are worse things than feeling bad about yourself. And that is hanging on to things that are bad about yourself. Hanging on to dysfunction that you don't need. And again, this is not about shame and guilt. Some of you have been in church environments where they have leveraged shame, leveraged guilt. It is so easy to do that with religion, which is why religion can be so destructive. But if you are following in relationship with Jesus, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. So no matter how lost you are, dysfunctional you are, how far down the road you are, I'm inviting you back. I love you. I died for you at your worst. I want to redeem you. I want to restore you. This is not about shame. This is about Jesus going, I have life more abundantly for you. And so I want you to follow me into a better future. But you're only going to do that if you get honest about where you are. Don't lie to yourself, even when the truth makes you feel bad about yourself, because Jesus made this really powerful statement that is routinely ripped off out of context by political leaders all the time. But Jesus said one time in this really powerful conversation that the truth will actually set you free. That when you get honest, when you face the truth, and it's hard to do it, there is freedom in that. There is freedom to receive what God actually wants to do in you. There's freedom to begin to actually move toward the future and the destiny and the will that God has for your life. But the opposite is true as well. Dishonesty imprisons you. Dishonesty holds you back. Dishonesty will keep you from God doing all that he wants to do in your life. And come on, I know that you want to lead yourself well. This is the first step. You have got to tell yourself the unfiltered truth. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why are you reaching for that? Why do you keep blaming them? 
I'm going to tell myself the truth, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself, because that is an invitation for God to begin to set me free. Can we just say that together real quick? I know this is like old school, you feel like in your classroom, but that just that decision number one, and I, every time I do this, it ends badly, and none of you can follow me. So here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you directions. Like, I'm just going to read it real quick, and then you say it, and it's going to be on the screen, okay? I will not lie to myself, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Go. That was amazing. That was the best um, of my preaching career right there. That was so good. Second decision is this. I will prioritize what I value most over what I want now. If you're going to lead yourself well, I'm going to prioritize what I value most over what I want now. Like, you know this. To lead a team effectively, if you lead anything or lead anybody, you got to know where you're leading them. And if you don't know where you are leading them, it goes bad fast. It goes off the rails fast. So you just have to ask yourself this question about you that maybe you've never thought of. Where are you leading yourself? Like, just ask that question for a second. Where are you leading you? Where are you ultimately going? Because you need to determine what the destination is. And I'll tell you again what the answer is. You need to lead yourself toward what you value the most. You need to lead yourself toward what you value the most. And I'll just tell you, this is true. It's a human dynamic. It's what the enemy wants to do to sabotage your future. But what you want now is rarely what you value the most. I feel like that didn't land. But listen to me again, because it's so important. What you want now in the moment is rarely what you value the most. The urgent always seems to take precedent over everything else. Like what's in the moment, what I love, what looks good, what's shiny, what nobody's going to know about, we're going to be different, I think we can handle this if we just sell this, and like all of these reasons we come up with, and in the moment, again, it is so powerful, it is, there's such a pull on it, it's so emotional, it's we need to do this, I need to do this, or it's going to be okay, it's going to work out, and all of a sudden without realizing it, like you're Jacob and Esau, selling your future for a bowl of stew. And you go after what you want now over ultimately what you value the most. And this is gonna sound self-serving, but it's just true. If you fail to discover what you really value, you will never get what you really want. And God's laid some things on your heart that he wants for your life. In fact, some of those dreams for your future are God going, I have a plan for you. I have a destiny for you. I have an area where I want you to step out in faith. I have a dream for your family. I want to lead you maybe even through this pain and then I want to use it as a megaphone for other people to draw them to me. So I want you to follow me forward. But listen, you cannot trade what you value most for what you want now in the moment because generally what's lurking in the shadows is what you value for your future. And here's the thing. For Jesus followers, we've, we've kind of already been given an answer to this question. And we overcomplicate so much. But Jesus, when he's in his upper room and he's with his guys and he's about to be betrayed and crucified, like he, he lays it all out for us. And we've heard this so many times that we become inoculated to it. But Jesus says, listen, this is what I want you to value the most. And if you will take this seriously, talking to a group of men who didn't have a Bible, who couldn't walk out of the room to go, how is this gonna end? They didn't have any of that. But Jesus gave them the one thing that would be the marching orders for every generation. That if you lose your way, 
if you don't have a verse, if it gets a little fuzzy and it's not black and white and you're not real sure, this, this is the thing. This will guide you. And if you will lead yourself toward this end, it will end up better for you because what I have for you is better than what you will come up with for yourself. And Jesus in that upper room says this, a new command I give you. And they're like, we can't wait to hear this. Love one another. And they're like, that's not new. And Jesus is like, I'm not done. Because you have no idea what I'm about to do a few hours from now. But come back to me tomorrow evening and then recite these words in your mind again. As I have loved you, so you got to love one another. That's how far I want you to take this. I want you to value the relationships in your life above everything else. And if you want to know where you want to lead your life, this is where you want to lead your life. It really could be summed up in a single question. What does love demand of me? When you're on the verge of that thing and you can't find a verse and there's a million excuses and you're lying to yourself and you can get away with it and nobody's going to call you on it, what does love demand of you? In that situation where you're not sure about the decision and yeah, it may affect them, but I think they're going to be okay, what does love demand of you? When you're not sure about the trajectory of your future in this area, and then all of a sudden there is this terrifyingly clear question that cuts through all the noise. But what does love demand of you? I know you can get away with it. Are you prioritizing, Jesus would say, what I value the most, and that is you valuing the relationships around you because now relationship with God is no longer some kind of vertical game where it's all about what I give to God. Jesus is like, I'm good. I want you to give to other people. And so relationship with God is determined by your relationship with other people around you. And I'm just telling you, the the direction and the quality of your life is determined by the health of your relationships. And so Jesus says, I want you to value this above everything else, that to your right and to your left is somebody made in the image of God. Every decision even if it's a decision that feels like it just affects you, it will affect somebody who is made in the image of God. You cannot hurt you without hurting somebody your heavenly father loves. You cannot hurt somebody to the right of you, whether physically or politically, without hurting somebody that your father loves. You cannot hurt somebody to the left of you without hurting somebody that your father loves. And so Jesus says, it all comes down to this, and then verse 35, and by this one thing, everybody's gonna know that you're my followers, that you're my apprentices, that you're my disciples, if you love one another. I just want you to do this. I want you to value this above everything else. And then Paul comes along, and he's like, let me take my turn at this. And he writes this letter in Galatians, and I love what he says, and we have somehow missed this verse for so long. I just want to slap this verse everywhere, on every wall. Paul says this a few years later in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts. Hey, you want to know what you should value? Paul's like, this is it. You want to know what you should prioritize? This is it. You want to know what should direct your decisions? This is it. You want to know how you should think about them and this decision in your family? This is it. The only thing that counts is your faith in Jesus expressing itself through love. You're like, whoa, Paul, that's a huge, are you sure? Paul's like, I'm writing the Bible. The only thing that, what do you know? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Meaning the more you grow in confidence in God, the more it's gonna express itself 
and love for other people. And Jesus is like, and Paul is like, this is where I want you to lead you. This is what I want to be the thing, the epicenter of everything that you do in life. And real quick, because I know the pushback, because you're like, but you don't know where I'm coming from, and you don't know what I'm dealing with, and you don't know the Darwinian culture of my marketplace, and you don't know, and you don't know, and you don't know, and it kind of seems weak. Okay, I get that, but listen. (laughs) Jesus and Paul changed Western culture. I love you. You will not change Western culture. They got a lot accomplished doing the whole, I'm just going to value love above everything else. And come on, to talk about weak, Jesus grew up watching rotting bodies on Roman crosses. Smelled the smells. He heard the screams. Eyeball to eyeball, he, he saw the sights. And then Mark records that he set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing that he was walking into that city to die the exact same death. It's anything but weak. And so Jesus and Paul is like, this is what I want you to value above everything else. And come on, just practically, just think about it this way. Would you be happy with your life if if at the end of your life you had lived your life with faith and love at the center of your life? It's on the screen because... I probably just confused you, but let me say it one more time. Would you be happy with your life if at the end of your life you had lived your life with faith and love at the center of your life? And I'll just tell you, because maybe fortunately and unfortunately, I've attended a lot of funerals. Every funeral shouts yes. Every funeral screams yes. And I've been to the funerals where nobody wants to speak and they've got to make up some crap at the end because it's a funeral and we want to somehow respect them and it's just whatever, but it hasn't been a good life. And then I've been to other funerals where everybody packs in. And this dynamic is revealed because in those moments, it's one of the most powerful, moving, spiritual expressions of your life because they are relating what Jesus talked about all throughout the New Testament. And it's this, that the value of anybody's life is always determined by how much of it is given away. The value, every good funeral screams this. The value of anybody's life is determined by how much of it is given away. So decision one, I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Decision number two, I will prioritize what I value the most over what I want now. And then the final thing, decision number three, I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. You have no ability, I have no no ability to lead ourselves in a vacuum. You will not lead yourself well without community. And can I just say this, because it's so relevant to where we're at right now, is we've faced one of the most difficult challenges as followers of Jesus over the last year and a half and just people in general, but specifically in this area of community because some of you have been disconnected for so long, that's why you're watching me right now, that it is so easy to stay disconnected simply because you've gotten comfortable there. And I just wanna tell you in love, for some of you, some of you it's a necessity, others it's not, you're just in a comfort zone and you are on a dangerous trajectory Because the enemy always wants to pick you off in isolation. And this season is a breeding ground 
for people to walk through it in five years from now go, what was I thinking? What was I doing? I forgot how much I needed this. I forgot how much my marriage needed this. I forgot how much my kids needed this. I sat down with somebody a few weeks ago. They were in this place where like, I'm just comfortable and I just, I don't attend church anymore. I'm not in any kind of community and it's just, it's gotten so easy to do over COVID and I just listened to him and I, I get the whole dynamic, but I got to the very end because he had several small kids and I just asked the question and in context, it was maybe more loving than it'll seem right now, but I, I just leaned in to go, what, what about your kids? And there was almost like this thing that just went off in his mind to go, you're right. Like somehow I, I literally like forgot, I lost sight of my kids and all of this. Like my kids need community in this season. And here's the thing that many of us don't know. There are things coming up ahead for you that you are not aware of in this moment. And unless you root yourself to community now, you're way behind the eight ball. Because some of you have a marriage bump that you have not experienced yet and God wants to design community for you so that you are ready for that season and you are ready for those waves to ravage you but you can walk through it anyway with faith not because you have extraordinary faith but because God will place somebody in your life who has extraordinary faith for you. Some of you are about to hit something with your kids that you cannot foresee right now. You better anchor yourself to community in this moment. Like life has a way of just hitting the fan. Jesus promised us, like I have a hope and a future for you, but listen, take heart, I've overcome the world, but in this life, you're gonna have trouble. For some of you, there's a financial thing. For some of you, there's a crisis of faith where doubts are gonna emerge that haven't, doubt, haven't emerged since your freshman year in college and you need to root yourself to community right now. And listen, you need to find people with common interests, but this is why the church is so powerful. You need to find people with common values, you need to get into a community group. You need to get yourself in a seat. There is something powerful that happens when we gather. In the New Testament, it talks about the fact that the church is the physical representation of Jesus on planet earth until Jesus comes back. Are you tracking with that? Not you by yourself. I understand the church is anywhere. It's not four walls. But there is some powerful promise from the scriptures that when we come together physically as the church, God does something in that. There's something that you cannot replicate. It's why I hear over and over again as more and more people come back, I'll hear the statement almost every week, I forgot what it was like. I forgot what this felt like. I forgot what God did in these moments, in these spaces. One of the best decisions you could make is just to get your butt back in church. Get into community. Take a step and find some people with common values that are gonna move you in the direction that you wanna go. Because come on, all of us know this about ourselves. Our history affirms it. Some of your greatest regrets were with people that you wish you had never met. Our relationships determine the direction of our lives. And unlike what some of you grew up with, which is some antiquated, just ridiculous religious system that weighed you down and actually led you in the opposite direction of Jesus, the Jesus movement is all about relationship. It's about relationship and intimacy with God that is not always clean and neat and it's messy and it's a forward path that looks like this, and it's about relationship with one another, but I'm telling you, when you root yourself in that, God begins to do something powerful. So I just wanna tell you, unapologetically, you need to get in a group. You need some other people. You need to take the step. Your kids need this, and I love you, and I don't mean to be too harsh, but you are crazy. If you have kids, and you are not rooting them in environments like this, 
where other people who are not you can pour into them and can earn their trust because you know this already. There are seasons where they ain't listening to you. There are things coming up ahead where you will need the community of other brothers and sisters. Do not wait until it's urgent. Just make it important. Yeah, but I'm so busy. And Okay, I get that. It's amazing how unbusy we get when all of a sudden we're in crisis mode and we're scheduling two counseling appointments a week. And in that moment, somehow you find time. All I'm telling you to do if you want to lead yourself well, find the time right now. Begin to prioritize in that direction right now. And I'll just warn you, you'll lose some relationships at times because when you live for what you value most, it will rub some people the wrong way that are simply living for a want now. But you need to move forward into community. The best thing you could do today is determine, like next week, July 11th, I'm going to be here if you're like, but I don't like the church. I've had a bad experience with the church. It's kind of this relationally homogenous, religious, Christian, nationalistic, whatever. I know all the, I, I get that. Find a church that Jesus is at the center and everybody's invited in. And it's multi-generational, multicultural. Everybody come. It's a gospel for the entire world and it's still going to be dysfunctional and messy, but get yourself rooted and God will work in that. Some of you, the best thing you could do is text Centerpoint 94,000 to go, I'm going to get in a group. I'm busy. I get it. I need to say no to some stuff. Things are a little bit out of control. I get it. I'm not going to wait till this is urgent. I'm going to do it right now because it should be important, and I want to lead myself well, and I'm not going to attempt to lead myself by myself. And everybody ends up somewhere in life, Right? Like, you're going to end up somewhere. You'll end up somewhere in life. And my heart is, I want you to end up somewhere on purpose. I think one of the greatest tragedies is a lot of people do not discover what they really value until it's too late. And all of a sudden, they realize, like, this is what I should have been leading myself toward all along. And I'm just telling you, Where you lead your life, it is not up to a political party. It is not up to the White House. It is not dependent on the House of Representatives. It does not depend, it's not dependent on what is happening in our culture. The only person that has control over that through the power of the Holy Spirit in you is you. And every single morning when you get up, every single morning when I get up, I face the greatest challenge in the mirror you face the greatest challenge in the mirror. But you also face something else too. Because every single morning you face somebody who is made in the image of God. And I just want to speak gospel over you for a second, which just means the good news of what Jesus brought. We have gotten in the way of ourselves so often. So I don't know, there are so many people listening via unfiltered radio and podcast and watching and you're in the room. So I don't know the background you're coming from. I don't know the voices that have spoken into your ear. But the reality is I'm no better than you. There's no religious caste system. There's no hierarchy. There are people who are in need of a savior and there is Jesus and Jesus came to seek and save those lost people. And I'm in that category, and you're in that category, and I just want you to hear me in a second. Every 
morning when you stare in the mirror, you are not too far gone. You are loved by God. You are liked by God. You are not under shame and condemnation in Christ. You have not walked down any road that is too far gone for a God who runs after prodigals to bring you back. And in this moment, you need to understand that as you look in the mirror, that you have a God that is pleased with you and loves you, not because you have been great, not because there is the absence of dysfunction, but because he is great, because he has done something for you, because he has provided a way. And through faith and trust in him and the fact that he lived and that he died on the cross for your sins and he walked out of a grave alive to say, I'm not trusting in me and my ability to earn my way to God. I'm trusting what Jesus has done for me. The scripture says the moment you call on the name of the Lord in that way, whether it's in just your own mind, in your heart, or audibly, scripture says that Jesus will move in your direction and save you. And I know real and weird, it's true. I believe it's true because he walked out of a grave alive in history. And the moment you embrace that, I'm just telling you, I want you to hear this today. You serve a God who loves you, who wants more for you, who does not see your brokenness, who does not see those scars, who does not see that decision, who does not see that abortion, does not see that failed marriage. He sees the perfection of Jesus in you. You have a little bit of God's image in you. You are valued by God. So I just want to tell you as I close, when you look at the mirror, you face someone who's made in the image of God. You face someone who is worth telling the truth to. And you face someone who was designed for community. And when you look in the mirror and you begin to ask the question, what does it look like to lead myself well? You are depending on you. And when you begin to take the step, the Spirit of God is going to do something in you to help you and empower you in that direction. But I just, I want to say this to you as well. Not only are you depending on you, for many of you, your parents, you have little faces that are depending on you as well. Because this is a multi-generational decision. And the best gift that you could give your kids is not baseball or another vacation. It is a transformed life. It is, I'm going to lead myself well, and I'm going to lead myself toward what I value the most, and I'm going to lead myself toward what Jesus said I should value the most. And it has the greatest impact on the generation that's coming behind you. And singles... I know you're looking for somebody, whether you've ever put it in this terms or not, you're looking for somebody that's leading themselves well. Why don't you start? Why don't you start to lead yourself well and lead yourself the way you want to see somebody else lead themselves? And they will be easier to spot and you will be easier to spot. But do not waste this season as a 16-year-old or a 22-year-old or a 27-year-old in the marketplace or wherever you are right now. Begin to lead yourself well. Begin to create a trajectory for all that God wants to do in your life because he has a destiny and he has a will and he has a purpose for you. And if you do that, it has the opportunity to change everything. So let's all decide. I'll never be a leader worth following if I don't lead myself well. And I will prioritize what I value the most over what I want right now. And I'm gonna decide that I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. 
And you know what the most important thing we could do today? Is not look at everybody out there and what needs to change and pick up your sword to fight the war on culture. That's not what the church has been called to do. Lay down your sword. Jesus brought a little band of nobodies with no money, no, no political influence, no leverage, no power to fight for love and to lead toward what, value, what, what they valued most and what Jesus said was most important in culture. And by the third century, they toppled the Roman Empire without ever assembling an army, writing a blog, or raising a sword. And the most important thing that you could do is go with all of the noise around me and all the things that I want to get upset about or distracted about, the most powerful thing that I could do is lead myself well. And I'm just telling you, if enough Jesus followers who recognize that the church was a movement in their cities around the love of Jesus, if enough of them led themselves well, it would start to change their families and it would start to change their neighborhoods. It would start to change cities. And just judging from history, it would, it would change the world. So just do this. Just lead you well and watch what God does around you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for, Lord, what you have given us. And I thank you in this moment that in Christ, we are loved, we are accepted. We are worthy because Jesus is worthy. We are secure in Christ. And I pray for those today that just need to cross that line of faith to go. I have tons of unanswered questions. I have been hurt. At times, I haven't even liked Christians. But today, I want to follow Jesus. And I want to place my faith in Jesus. And I want to begin to live my life in the direction of Jesus. And I pray for us as followers of Jesus that you would just renew our focus around what is most important. And that is taking up your invitation to follow you by leading ourselves well. And I pray that as we do, you begin to change things. You begin to break the chains of multi-generational dysfunction. You begin to heal marriages. You begin to restore relationships with people who are nothing like us because we're followers of Jesus. And we value what you valued in that upper room above everything else. We're going to love other people the way that you have loved us. And so I pray for this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.